You're listening to the Banner Church Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. For more information, visit us online at thebannerchurch.com. So um, I'm excited this morning. I'm really fired up because I love uh, going through the book of Exodus and I love what God's doing. And uh, so if you're joining us kind of right in the middle of our Exodus series. But before I get there, I just want to really honor some people. I know it's pastor's appreciation, the table, all that's really cool. Uh, but I want to honor some people that have really just blessed my wife and I that I think go unnoticed. And one of them is Gillian Barry. Uh, let me give it up for her. Gillian is just honestly such a faithful servant. Her and her husband Dave and their little baby Millie moved from Washington. And they just serve so faithfully from the minute they hit the ground. She organizes all of our small groups. She helps uh, on our lead team. we got an incredible worship lead team. I love all the people on this team. They're just so gifted and anointed. And so Gillian is just a huge part of this. And I'm just so thankful for you, Gillian. I just want to honor you for all that you do because you're amazing and we love you. Um, the other one is Nick. So last night we had a toast off here. It was insane. Uh, people were making just like the craziest things. Uh, and, and if they do it again, you have to come because it was literally insane. Like they were like roasting corn husks and, and cinnamon, all these crazy creations. And I don't think everybody realized how cool this was going to be. Uh, but it was flipping amazing. So big shout out. It was great. I love Nick uh, and Allie, his wife, not only because of what they do, but because of who they are. If you're looking for some good people to know, that would be a great place to start. So, uh, and I got two people too. Uh, when we say come to discover, I'm going to tell you why you come to discover. is because you get connected when you come to Discover. They're, I, I don't know if they're here. They were probably here until like midnight last night cleaning up. But Julia and Jessica, uh, they were here. And they've been here for two months now. The, like the first week they came, they came to Discover. Uh, they got signed up for a cafe. Where are they? Are you guys here? Oh, you're in the back. What's up? Yeah. They got signed up. They came to Discover, got signed up for a cafe. Literally, I came in the next week. They were serving in the cafe. And then I come in, and they were making the most toast I've ever seen last night. And they were just in it. And I, I loved that. I love that you guys came to Discover. You got connected. Would you recommend that people come to Discover? Awesome. See, I recommend that you come to Discover. I think it's next week. When is it, Katie? In two weeks, come to Discover, and it was amazing. I was just so impressed by their heart for the church and to serve. It was so cool. So I just want to say thank you. I know there's a huge list of people we could just go through who just serve so faithfully. But thank you, everybody, for getting connected, coming to Discover, being a part of what God is doing. But uh, I'm excited to preach the word today. Hey, uh, how do you guys feel about the new Kanye album? Good? Yeah? So half the church is like, who? The guy with the shoes. Um, <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, I know. The other half of the church is funny. Like I said in the first, I was like, who heard it? And then you could tell people like, mm-hmm, because we had a lot of Taylor Swift fans. And they're still mad about that. Like, y'all, it's been a decade. You were like four when that happened. Move on. Like, move on. Like, like yeah, yeah. You know, he stole like a microphone from her. And she also wrote like a song about every dude she's ever dated and is super mean. So, oh, Taylor Swift fans, now you're not down with it. <laughs> no, we love Taylor Swift. I covered a Taylor Swift song one time when I played a show. Um... But uh, it was interesting, I was listening to this album this week, and it was funny how much it kind of aligned with what I was sharing, because uh, if you don't follow, see, I follow Kanye West because I'm fascinated by people. I told you guys a while ago, I'm a people watcher. I'm fascinated by people, and uh, I, I didn't like the guy, but he was fascinating. <laughs> like, it was like a train crashing into another train, flying into another train, and I was like, what? What is this? Every time it's just like, it was like that show Chopped that would just open this box and be like, what is this? 
crashed a car into a monkey, into a stadium, or I, you, know, you never know. But what's been interesting is I've been watching this guy's journey and seeing, because uh, I follow some of the pastors that he works with, and seeing his heart. And if, if you're in the job that I'm in, you, you just love seeing heart transformation. That's what you root for, 100% heart transformation, life change. That's our mission here, right, that all people would experience the freedom and power of a new life in Christ, right? That's our, that's our thing. And so I was listening to this album, and it was like, it, it was mind-blowing because I saw some people were like, oh, how could he do this? How could blah, blah, And I was listening to the song, and I was like, oh, my gosh, like this dude has made a heart transformation. And so I'm going to do something that I never thought I would do. I'm going to play a part of a Kanye West song <laughs> to open a sermon. And uh, if you're naturally skeptic about uh, Christian converts, just box it away. Or just, I don't know, whatever. Uh, but yeah, let's play it. Let's hear it. This song is called God Is. We're just going to play part of it. Kanye's not Jesus. It's just a good song, so chill. <laughs> It goes on. Okay. Th this is the thing about any person. Nobody is Jesus and nobody is God, obviously, right? And so if you're like one of these Christians that's riding high on this Kanye wave, like he's, he's, people make mistakes. That, that's not what I'm getting on. It's like, oh, yeah, hey. But what I'm excited about when I heard this song is I was, I was just fired up, if I'm going to be honest. I, I was just pumped. Because to be honest, a lot of my life is spent believing in heart transformation and getting mostly selfish resistance. Right? And so then here I have this guy, and I know as Christians, our response is like, oh, but is he? Oh, yeah, but Kanye is such a blah, 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 blah. We put all these things in, in there. It's like, fine, I get it. If he was a white rock and roll star, everyone would be down because he's a black rapper. It takes time. I understand. But my, my point is that we should get pumped. I get pumped about when this happens. And I know Kanye ruffled some feathers. I get it. He's a lot. I'm a lot. So I feel like that works for me. He's, he's kind of into himself. I was kind of into himself. See, you guys didn't know me before I was a Christian, but you all thought Kanye was a drop in the bucket. I'm just saying it's just it's all about perspective. It's all about perspective. But what I love about seeing this moment is, like, it doesn't matter if it's the dude from Corn or whatever or it's Kanye. When someone takes what God has put in their hands and when God changes their life, they just pour out what God has put in their hands. It's amazing. 
Where, like, you can't listen to this album. And, like, there's a song where I counted last night with my wife. He says the name of Jesus 20 times and in the good way. Like, <laughs> right? Not in the bad way. <laughs> and, and I think, like, I listen to this album and I just get fired up. Like, I'm visibly excited currently because this is what I pray for every day. I pray that our leaders, I pray that our influencers, I pray that the people that affect the, the choices that our young people make, I pray that they would have a radical life transformation and use what they have been given into their hands to glorify the Lord for change, for justice, for mercy, for truth, for the gospel. Isn't that what we want? Now, we, we should never worship anybody who's not God, and we should never put anybody on a pedestal who's not God, right? God's the only person who lives up on the throne. But I think we should celebrate because I think we need more of people who take what has been given them and use it. People say, oh, man, you know, Kanye, I mean, he's a mess. Like, have you heard his other albums? Have you seen what he's done? Have you seen? Yeah, have you all ever heard of a guy named Saul? Have you heard of your Saul to Paul? Like, if you've been with us through the Moses series, then you understand that God uses messy and broken people and transforms his life and use them for amazing things. And if you've ever read about King David, you know that somewhere along the line they can make some pretty big mistakes. But they don't got to prove anything to us, right? Like Kanye doesn't got to prove anything to me. Like, what's he got to prove to me about his salvation? That's not my job. I just love that he's declaring the gospel. I love that it makes skeptical people uncomfortable. That's probably one of my favorite things. <laughs> it attacks a skeptical side of us that says, you know what, you got to be a certain something in order for God to use you. But hear me say, God wants to use you because you are something. You're something special to him. you got something special. Can I go a step farther? God needs to use you. Like he doesn't need you. Like it's not like God is without power without you. But God desires to use you in the mission of growing the kingdom. Did you know that? Did you know that, that, that you might have woke up this morning and felt like, I don't have any purpose. I don't know what my direction is. Did you know that you have a God-given mission and purpose on your life? See, so often we're like waiting because uh, literally I think everybody on this side of the room is in college currently. We're waiting because we're in college. And so we've got to do this and we get the job. But like what happens if we lose that job? Do I not have purpose? Like what happens if I'm going to be a civil engineer and then like I can't be a civil engineer because there's a recession? What happens if I spend like a bunch of money to be an architect and then I can't be an architect because there's a recession? Just totally hypothetical situation here. That didn't happen to me like six years ago. Um, <laughs> right? Like what happens? Do we not have purpose? You don't have purpose? What happens if, like, you're young and good-looking and now you can't walk or you're in jail? You don't have purpose? No, we have a great mission. I'll tell you what that mission is. It's to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because God has given us great purpose and great mission. God desires for hope and love and freedom to come to every person, to meet every person, from every person, how they are gifted, how they're called. And so what's cool is he's, he calls us out to be a part of the mission with him, to use how we're gifted. Not to use how Josh is gifted or Kanye is gifted. Use how you're gifted for the mission. And I think it's important. I think mission is a great word. I love this. Beyond mission. It's the mission of God. Because it turns out, spare me the terminology. It's the best one I can think of. The world kind of sucks a lot. Like if you spend any time... <laughs> with people, then you know that they can do some really terrible things and some really great things. You with me? 
And all around the world we look and we ask this question, that why is there so much suffering? And since I don't have a whole time to get into a defending the faith uh, argument about suffering and sin and how God won't force anybody to love us, so you have a choice, all that kind of things. What I can say is every person is wondering in life, where is God in my suffering and how do I get free? Amen? Any person, you or anyone you meet, that's wondering, God, how do I get free of my suffering? How do I get released of my suffering? Every person's wondering that. Where is God in my suffering? And as we've been going through Exodus, that is the people of Israel's question. Where is God in my suffering? Like, God is so great. What is he going to do? Where is God in this whole thing? Where is God in our slavery? But can I tell you, just like with Moses, we're going to see for us, I feel like God has put a call on his people. See, because Moses was out, and he was shepherding sheep, and he was detached from the suffering, and he thought, maybe like a lot of us do, which is like, I know there's suffering, I know there's hurt, but like, what am I going to do about it? Like, I'm enough to deal with myself, let alone other people, right? Like, it's self-care Sunday. It's like, that's fine, as long as you got Be Missional Monday, like, right, and tell somebody Tuesday and witness Wednesday, right? You want me to keep going, or do you get the picture? No? Good? Okay, good. <laughs> But I feel like this morning God wants to really encourage us through, the, through Exodus and through the scripture is as we look and say, just like Moses, like, hey, man, my, my people need to be free. My city needs to be released from addiction and slavery and being trapped in bondage. But how can we do that? How can I do that? What, God, where are you in this situation? Because I believe that God has put a call on his people. No matter what your background, no matter what your history, no matter what your past, no matter what your bias, no matter where you came from. To be a part of the mission of liberating and rescuing his people from the hands of darkness. Okay, if you're with me, uh, jump to Exodus 3, verse 1. We're going to be in the scripture today. I'm going to pray. Lord God, we thank you this morning that you're with us in this place. God, we thank you that your goodness is here. God, we thank you that where you go, your glory goes and your goodness goes. And so this morning, God, it's not about performing. It's about just receiving from your word and responding to the call on our hearts. So we just give it to you. We pray soften our hearts. We know that if our hearts are, are hardened or resistant, God, the same sun that melts the wax can harden the clay. And so we want to be like wax this morning, God. Just melt away our heart this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Exodus 3.1, if you want to read some scripture, say amen. Amen. Exodus 3.1. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, and yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight why the bush is not burned. This is pretty interesting. Um, if you were walking through this area, now I had a picture of it up a couple weeks ago, but here is what the terrain is mostly comprised of, rocks and bushes. That's pretty much it. And though a flaming rock would have been pretty legit, I think God chose wisely with the bush. It's a little more emphasis. Uh, but God appears and says, the angel of the Lord, and, and what this is literally translating of is meant to mean the Lord, right? It's like Yahweh. It, it means literally God. It, that God is there. So it's not like some other angel or like a B-class cherub. It's like, okay, cherub, today you're going to go be a fiery bush. It's like, okay, God, it's getting weird. <laughs> uh, but God is literally appearing to Moses and speaking. And so here's what Moses said. I think it's important to remember, this is God. This isn't like an emissary. This is God appearing to a finite person. He says, verse 4, 
When the Lord saw that he turned aside, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. And then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you're standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. I like this. If you see in the scripture something that's said twice, you should probably pay attention to it. You know, replicating something, duplicating it is important in scripture. Uh, Moses, when he says, when God says Moses' name twice, that was a sign of intimacy in Arab custom. When you say Moses, Moses, it was a sign of intimate friendship or connection. It was meant to put him at ease because, you know, he was talking to a bush. So that would make sense that you would want to put him at ease. I know, you guys, you've all seen burning bushes, so it's like not a big deal. But I would have been freaked out. I've never seen one. Um, and so he puts him at ease and he begins to say, Moses, Moses. You know, it's, like, it's kind of like when we say, yeah, you know, like, I don't like love pizza. I like love, love pizza. There's like a whole other level of love. We double it up. I like, like, I like, like you. <laughs> right? But he, there's this intimacy that's there. And he reassures Moses in this moment. If you were here on the first week, we talked about that, that the, the going back to the forefathers was a reminder of the promise that was made to Abraham. So he's reminding Moses, Moses, you are not just some shepherd. You are not just some adopted Egyptian. You are a Hebrew. You are an Israelite. You are part of the promise. You are part of the covenant. You are part of what I'm going to do. He's reminding him of that. And so Exodus 3, let's keep going. Verse 7, you're still good, say amen. Amen. 3, 7 says, then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. And I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites. And now, behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me. I have seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. I think this is so important. Hear me. God heard suffering. God saw suffering, God knew the suffering. I think so often we think that God is some like angry bearded man up in the sky hoping that we'll get it together and if we could finally get it together, then like he'll do something. But that's not God. Did you know that God's heart breaks for suffering? Did you know when you're suffering, God's heart breaks? You know when God's children are suffering, his heart breaks? His heart aches for those people? God did not make the world to suffer. God did not make man turn away and turn to sin and selfishness. That, that's not what God wanted. God desires to be with his children, to be an intimate relationship. He loves us. He did not create the slavery, but he sent a redeemer to rescue us. Are you with me? Okay, let's keep going. I want to get through this. It's important. Verse 10. Come, I will send you, he's talking to Moses, to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He said, meaning God, but I will be with you, and this shall be a sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, if, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name, what shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. All caps. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent you. I like this. Anytime you see all caps in the Bible, also pay attention. 
two things in a row. If God talks to you in all caps, that's important. If, if someone you know texts you in all caps, that's important, right? Again, he, he's not yelling at him like I assume all, all, you know, all cap texting. I have an uncle. He can only text in all caps. It's like, I don't know. How do you even get it to do the caps? I can't caps normally, but somehow he can text in all caps. But it's not, it's not emphasis like he's yelling. It's emphasis of authority. So like you should see in your Bible, often when it's referring to the Lord, it'll be capitalized, but the letters will be a little smaller. That's Lord. And so, again, it's I am. It's his, it's his proper name of God. And so the, the, the name I am is kind of like crossed down and becomes what the people would have called Yahweh. So he's saying I am. People would have said Yahweh, that I am who I am really translates to, and I got to make sure that I do this right. I cause to be because I cause to be. Let me rephrase it. Yahweh has all the power and authority because I was at the beginning, I'll be at the end, I'm in control of everything in between. That's what he's saying. Right, he's saying, tell them that the God that made a promise with them is actually still in control and still has power and still has authority and he's coming for them. Not in that way. Because <laughs> I think that's important when it comes to authority because if you remember Moses, when Moses took on, on his authority, he committed what I would consider a first-degree murder because um, he killed somebody in the back of a pyramid with his bare hands. I don't know if it was a pyramid, but that's all I know about Egypt. So he, he, he committed murder, and God is saying, listen, that was by your own authority when you tried to liberate your people. I want you to bring liberation based off my authority. So you're going to go with my authority, assemble the people, and here's how it's going to go, and he tells them how it's going to happen. And after laying out how it's going to happen, remember, he's still talking to a bush, this is Moses' response. This is what he says to the glory of the Lord in the bush. He says, ver, uh, chapter 4, verse 1. Moses answered, but behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice. For they will say, the Lord did not appear to you. The Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? If you like to underline, underline that and come back to it. He said, a staff. And God said, throw it on the ground. So Moses threw it on the ground, and it became a serpent, and Moses ran from it. But the Lord said to Moses, put out your hand and catch it by the tail. So he put out his hand, and he caught it, and it became a staff in his hand. And God said that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. I love that so much. What's in your hand? Moses is just like, a, a staff. Like, like the bush didn't know? Like, Right? It's like, oh, sorry, Bush, I didn't realize you didn't have eyes. But there's this important moment. I tell those jokes just for Gianna. Um, there's this moment where, where he's standing there, and, and, and he's walking through his life, and he's walking through the mundane, and he's, and he's being a shepherd. And I can't imagine, it probably wasn't the thing he thought he would be growing up. Um, but he's standing there, and, and God says to him, listen, Moses, I'm going to send you. I'm going to send you in to rescue. And Moses is like, oh man, I, I, I don't think that's me. Right? I mean, Moses is walking around the mountain. I imagine that he's praying, God, would you save my people? God, would you liberate my people? Because remember, his family are still slaves. Like if your family was still a slave, you wouldn't like forget slavery existed. It's like, yeah, like I'm, I'm not a slave, but my brother's still a slave. And you're like, well, you know, tough luck, dude. Right, like you would care about slavery. You would care about the bondage of your family, right? We care about that. Even if you don't like your family, you would care if they were a slave. Everybody, 
And so there's this moment where, where he's probably walking around wondering what to do. And God says, and he's probably wondering, you know, why is there suffering? Why is there this hurt? Why is there all this suffering for our people? Why is there suffering for us and, and slavery for us? God, what are you going to do about this? And God says, okay, I'm going to send you. Moses is like, whoa, hold up. <laughs> That's not what I meant at all. I didn't mean send me. Like I meant like let's just let's get taxed more and then have the government do it. Like I don't want to care. I don't want to go save them, God. You go save them. You go take care. But I just think you should. Are you with me? Moses is praying. God set my people free. He said, "Okay, I'm I'm going to send you and to bring the suffering out." He's like, "Oh no no, I I can't do that." And God's like, "Yeah man, I know." See, that's our dialogue too, right? Watch the news for like five and a half minutes. It's always on at the gym in the morning. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh, can we just slide down to where the sports channel is? Like, I literally, and now the sports channel is basically the news, too. And it's like, literally, I can't, I can't escape this. Like, at all, somehow, the sports center is still talking about China. It's like, I can't get away. Like, it's just all news. And you watch the news, and you realize, like, everything that's happening. And we wonder, like, God, who are you going to send? God, what are you going to do? What are you going to do to break sex trafficking? God, what are, who are you going to send? What are you going to do to break the suffering and the hurt? And he's like, I'm going to send you. And we're like, whoa. I'm busy. <laughs> like, I got school. I got a job. I got a, you can't send me, God. There's got to be some, like, really good-hearted missionary you can send. And he's like, I'm going to send you. And it's like, ah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think I got what it takes. I'm not qualified. God, I don't know if I can change the city of Scottsdale for Christ. I don't know if I can change my community. Look at my past. Like, God, I, God look at my Look at my discography, my past albums. They're never going to believe that you sent me to preach the gospel. Look who I used to be. They're definitely not going to believe me. God, they know my exes. They're definitely not going to believe me. God, you've seen my bank account. You shouldn't believe me. God, right, you've seen my past mistakes. There's got to be somebody better. Are you with me? That is our response to the Lord so often. It's like, God, I can't do it. I don't got what it takes. But can I tell you, I think the same thing that God spoke to Moses is what he's speaking to his church. And he's saying, what's in your hand? What's in your hand? And we learn so much from scripture about God. And I believe God wants to speak this, a couple things that he's given to you today. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write these down. First thing is that God hears, sees, and knows suffering. Man, this is so important. God hears the cries of his people. God sees the pain of his children, and God knows intimately suffering. Jesus knows suffering. He has suffered. He is close to the brokenhearted. Psalm 34 says, when the righteous cry for help, the Lord heals and hears and delivers them of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. See, God is not immune to suffering. God hears suffering. He knows suffering. His heart breaks. Now, he can't force the world to walk in love with him. That would be a little more convenient for us if he could, but it wouldn't really be love, so it wouldn't count, right? And so because God is not forcing people to love him, there's people who choose to not. And there is no middle ground. There is love or hate. There is light or there is darkness. There's no gray area when it comes to sin. 
And so people choose, and so they're suffering, and yet God intimately knows that they're suffering. And because there's great suffering and the world is broken, God paid the highest price for us because God not only sees, knows, uh, and understands our suffering, but God sent a Savior. Amen? See, as Christians, I think we, we like, minimize this. We're, like, ashamed of Jesus Christ saying, like, God sent a Savior. God sent literally the Son of God to die for us. He sent God to take our sin on the cross. See, God sent Moses to the Israelites to save them out of slavery. God sent Jesus to us to save us from eternal damnation. Right? God said, like, I had a sin debt. I know maybe you're perfect, but I had a sin debt in my life that was so great that I could never pay. And I could try to live perfect. I'm pretty bad at it. But I have a debt and, and a weight in my life of sin and shame. And only through Jesus Christ is that removed and freed and released. And there's freedom. I cannot bring myself into eternity. There's only through Jesus Christ. And so God has sent a Savior to the world. How many of you guys have, have heard of the verse John 3.16? Right, like it's pretty famous. You go to a football game or like a wrestling match, you know, you'll see it just like everywhere. But I love John 3, 16 and 17. It says this, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Here's verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Jesus is the greater Moses. That's what Exodus is about. Jesus is the greater Moses. Moses came to free people from slavery of a nation. Jesus came to free us from slavery for all eternity. And I love that because not only did God send a Savior, but God sent the Holy Spirit. It's like as if God saving me from the debt of sin in my life, like, wasn't enough. Like, he could have left it there. I would have been fine. Like, like that would have been more than I could have ever earned. And yet God is so good that he turns around and he sends us his power and he sends us the Holy Spirit. Amen. I know some of you are confused. You walked into a church today that believes about the Holy Spirit. Like, we love the Holy Spirit. We, we preach the Bible and so we preach about the Holy Spirit. And uh, so stick around and you'll hear more. But I want to encourage you that, that God has sent us his Holy Spirit. And, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read you a couple verses because I think it's important. Because, again, church, if we got a hold of this and we really understood it, I think we would look differently. I think we would believe differently. I think we would act differently if we really understood it. So I'm going to read you scriptures. Can everybody handle three scriptures? Good. Amen. You see, you guys are amazing. John 14. Here it is. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Y'all are like, no, skip that one. Uh, <laughs> And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. Hold on to that word in your mind. To be with you forever. Even the spirit of the truth, whom the word cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, meaning the disciples know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Okay, hold that word helper. Here's John 14, 25 through 26. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring you to remembrance all that I have said to you. And here's how it happens, Acts 2. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like the mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as fire appeared to them and rested upon each one, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. This is so important, hear me. We're not waiting on the Holy Spirit to come. 
The Holy Spirit has come. The Holy Spirit is with us. Are you understanding me? And he didn't go away. He didn't like leave. He was like, ah, man, I'm done. God, the Holy Spirit is with us. The day of Pentecost has happened. And God has said, I'm going to send the helper, the Holy Spirit, so that you might be filled with power and that you might walk in the authority so when you go out on the street, you can lay hands on people and they will be healed. You go to GCU, you can slay some people at the basketball game and get wild, whatever you want to do, right? Like fix some knees, let's get crazy. You can, people can be healed of depression. People can be released of, of, of mental anxiety that ravages their life by laying their hands. They can be released There's prophecy and the gift of tongues and these discerning spirits, right? We already have the Holy Spirit. He's, God has sent him. We've got him. At church, we spend so much time waiting around like, Holy Spirit, come. He's like, I'm here. What are we doing? We're like, well, we don't really need you. We just like the worship things where we ask you to come. <laughs> it's like, well, we got to do something. And we invite God, and in those moments we say, God, we, we desire more of you. You hear us pray, God, we want more of you. It's because, it's because of us. It's because we are the ones who are, who are saying, God, we, we, we get in the way. We desire for you to move through us. We desire more of a manifestation of your spirit, more of a realization of your presence, right? Because we're told in Acts 1.8, one of my favorite verses, says, but you will receive power. Someone say power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria to the end of the earth. God doesn't say, and you will receive power and the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my casual attenders to Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. And you will receive the power of the Holy Spirit when he comes upon you. And you will be my maybe around if we convince you to come and serve to the end of the earth. He says, you will be my witnesses. And I know people argue about evidence of the Holy Spirit. I believe in all the gifts of the Spirit, and we will just go round and round with that, and I will win because it's true. <laughs> but I believe that witnessing is an evidence of the Holy Spirit. When they're filled with the Holy Spirit, what do they get up and do first? Witness. That's what God cares about. He says, I filled you with my power so that you could be a witness. See, we always think there's some monk figure that's going to break down the door and be like, I'm here to tell your city about Jesus for you. Like, oh, my gosh, when that person comes, they're really going to lead all of GCU to the Lord. When that football player comes, it's like, no, it's you. You have been given a Savior. You have been given the Spirit. You have been given the power. And it's not to be someone else. It's just to be you with God. And I love this because he gave us power because God has given us a mission. Someone say mission. God has given us a mission. God has called us to the greatest mission on earth. It's interesting. I talk to so many people that really struggle with purpose. What's my purpose? What am I called to do? What am I called to do? What's my purpose? What am I called to do? And I'll sit down and I'll say, listen, God has given you the greatest mission and calling and purpose of all eternity. And that's to share the hope and love that you've received of Jesus Christ. I'm like, listen, not only has he given you this great mission, but he's gifted you with the Holy Spirit. So now you have power and authority and you have a great calling and great purpose on your life. People are like, no, I was kind of thinking more like a raise. <laughs> like, no, that... Those are good. We pray for those. I pray for raises. But listen, God has called you. He's given you a mission to share the hope. 
See, when Jesus went to the disciples, he didn't say, hey, listen, I'm sending you out to be a certain job role or a certain position. He said, I'm sending you out to do something specific that's a part of the mission, and that's to share the gospel. Matthew 28 says, 28, 18 through 20, right? Great commission. All authority. Jesus says to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. And behold, I love this, I am with you always to the end of the age. Isn't that cool? That God tells Moses before he sends him in to liberate his people, he says, I'm with you. And then God tells the disciples before he sends him in to liberate, I'm with you. God is with you. And he's a big God. He's a strong God. He's a mighty God. He's a powerful God. It's not like some wussy God that's like, uh, yeah, you know, go into all the nations, and I guess hope for the best. <laughs> this is a God of power and authority. He's given us a mission. And so often when we go back to that question of why is there suffering and why is there so much suffering, I find that people wrestle the most with that question the further they get from being a part of a church that's on a mission. See, church, my job is to move us all in the same direction. We don't pick to serve our local school just because I don't have anything better to do. It's because I believe that when people have an encounter with the love of God, it changes their life forever. I believe that every person should experience the freedom and power of a new life in Christ. Amen. And so as a shepherd, I'm getting the flock all moving one way. But if you stray, that, 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 that gets confusing. You're like a soldier who's not on the front lines anymore. You're just out in the woods firing up into the air wondering who's the enemy, where's the enemy, what does it matter? You need to get back on the front lines and be a part of advancing the kingdom. Advancing what God's doing. Because see, God has blessed his church, you and I, to bring light to the darkness. God has given you purpose. To bring hope to the hopeless, to speak life into lifeless things, to bring the restorative power of Jesus Christ into parts of your family that are so broken and so hopeless and so empty, and yet he has commissioned and called you for that great purpose. Are you with me? Say amen. Are you with me? Amen. Because it's amazing that Jesus' whole ministry is to heal the sick, feed the hungry, care for the widows and orphans, raise the dead, right? Make blind eyes see, make lame legs walk. And then he turns around and he says, hey, all of you guys, you now do this with the Holy Spirit. And you are descendants of the legacy of the greatest mission. Did you know that? You are descendants of greatness because you're a disciple of Jesus Christ. You might not feel great Monday, Friday in your job, but that's why I want to shift your perspective to be like, you know what? No, I've been given a mission. I've been given a mission by God. What if the solution to the suffering that you see is God at work in you and through you and with you? What about a generation that stopped posting about suffering and started kneeling down in the dirt with it? What if we were Jesus to the suffering? What if we use the talents and giftings and the opportunities that we've been given to help those who are lost, hurting, broken, or in need? Romans 10, 13, one of my favorite scriptures the band can come up. It says, it's for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's important. Everyone. Who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in 
him of whom they have never heard, and how are they to hear without someone preaching? Here's the thing about being a witness. If you've ever gone on a witness stand, you have to talk. You can't be like, I'm going to be a witness. I'm going to prove their innocence, but I'm just going to show them by my actions. No, you have to say things or else they're going to go to jail. That's how court works. Like, you're a witness. Witness kind of implies you're going to say something, right? We like to attach other meaning to word. Witness applies. Jesus would have been like, man, I hope they just, like, are, are kind of neat and send, like, chain emails. <laughs> right? <laughs> He's like, be a witness. And I love this. This is so important, though, is God isn't asking how much is in your hands. He's asking what is in your hands. I, f- I felt like so clearly God was asking the church this. What is in your hands? Some of you, you are so on this because you have spent time with the Lord and you understand this principle. For some of you, this is going to hopefully affect your life from now forward. As God appears to Moses, he says, I'm going I'm to make you a part of rescuing people. I'm going to make you a part of the deliverance. I'm going to make you a part of removing people from slavery and darkness. And Moses says, I can't do that. They will not believe me. They know my past. They know me. They know my discography. They will not accept or believe me. God says, no, I'm going to send you. I'm going to release you into this moment. And he says, God, God, what am I supposed to do in light of so much suffering? Like, how am I supposed to save a million people from slavery? Could you imagine? God's like, Jamin, I'm going to send you to save a million people from slavery. He'd be like, like tomorrow? Or what are we talking here? Like, <laughs> what's, what's the start date? It would be overwhelming. And so in this overwhelming moment, he says, I think what all of us would say, like, how? How? That's an okay question to ask. How? How? And God says, I love this. And I think it's gentle. He says, hey, what, what's, what's that in your hand? Moses is like, the staff? It's just so mundane, right? He says, why don't you take that and lay it down? It was a symbol of his authority, his shepherding. It becomes symbolic for the rest of his life. He says, why don't you lay that down? And he lays it down. Jesus one day is preaching, and everybody's hungry, and this happens so that he might show his immeasurable glory, is that a little boy comes with these little loaves and fishes, and God says, hey, you bring that to me, what's in your hands, not how much. Remember, God is not concerned about how much, he's concerned about what. What is in your hands? And he takes it and he breaks it and multiplies it. Doesn't multiply in the basket, it multiplies in the breaking. The oil. Right, we talked about this in my small group, the oil. Uh, Elisha comes to a widow, and the widow says, I have nothing in my house. I have nothing. There's nothing but this. I have this. Not how much. It's what. What do you have? It says, if you begin to pour it out, I will multiply it. See, so often I think we, we see suffering in the world. We see, we see these things happen, and we're just unsure of where to even begin and what to do. And we feel like, okay, well, I got to be like this pastor or this missionary or this leader in order to do anything. But that's not what God is asking you. He's asking you today, what is in your hands? What's in your hands? For some of you, it's a classroom full of kids. For some of you, it's generosity. For some of you, it's a gifting of hospitality. For some of you, it's the ability uh, where, where you don't even feel comfortable in this, but God's calling you to mentor the next generation of young people. And you're like, I didn't even know that was in my hands, but I guess it was the whole time. What's in your hands? What is it? Because everybody has been gifted with the gospel. Say, I don't have anything in my hands. You got the gospel. You got the Holy Spirit. Everybody. Everybody's got it. What's in your hands?
And I believe as a church, if we could just say, you know what, I'm going to take what's in my hands, and I'm just going to give that to the Lord and pray he multiplies it. You know, all I have in my hands is a Tuesday night, but I'm going to use that to serve my city. All I have in my hands is a Saturday morning, but I'm going to go around and talk to my neighbors and ask if they need prayer. I'm going to go to the dorms around me, and I'm going to begin to talk to people and see if they need life transformation, if they need God to do a miracle. All I have is this little bit of money, but I'm going to seed it into to, to, to missions or the future or whatever. Wherever God's leading you, that's the great thing. You don't got to be me. You certainly don't got to be Kanye West. You just got to be you and what's in your hands. And that's why I love this album because, like, who cares who judges you? Take what God has given you, lay it down so that he would multiply it. Are you with me? Who cares if they write blogs about you? Who cares if they got a problem with you? Who cares? Listen, you haven't given the mission of the Most High God. And surprise, they don't like it when it spreads. Like, we keep thinking opposition is a bad thing. I think it's kind of evidence. And just take that thing and say, you know what, God, I have this. Maybe it's a talent or a skill. Maybe it's something you've kind of put under a rug because you're afraid to bring it up. Just say, listen, I have this. I'm just going to lay it down to you and say, God, would you use me? Would you open my eyes? Would you open my heart? Would you send me? Because some of you, all of us, God is saying, I am sending you into the world to change the world with the gospel. And I know you don't feel prepared. I know you don't feel like you have everything. But what's in your hand? Because that's what I can use. Are you with me? Would you stand with me this morning? Would you close your eyes with me? Because I want a chance for you. This is just this is kind of a you and the Lord response in this moment. It's you, you and God. And this morning, if you're feeling that tug on your heart, I, I just believe in a church that's mobilized to reach its city. And you're saying, I, I don't have very much in my hand, but I know what's in my hand. Maybe some of you, that's just an afternoon. That's all you got. Maybe that's your family right now. That's what's in your hand. You're going to be missional with your family. Whatever it is in your life. Say, you know what, I'm just going to go all in with what's in my hand and pray that God would do a miracle. And so this morning, every eye closed, every head bowed, that's you and, you're, and you want to take what's in your hand and you want to just symbolically lift it up to him and say, God, this is for you. It's, I pray that you would use it for the mission. I pray that you would use it for a move of God. I pray that you would use my work. God, I pray that you would use my job, my relationships, whatever it might be. You're saying, this is the little bit I have. This is what is in my hand. And I pray that you would use it to reach. God, I pray that my life would be about reaching the lost and hurting and the broken in the name of Jesus. If that's you, with every eye closed, just lift your hands with your palms up. Just kind of lifting it up to him and say, God, I just lift it up to you. I lift this thing up to you. Whatever it is, whatever's in my hand, I just give to you. I surrender to you. It's going to look different. It's not going to look like a recording artist. It's not going to look like maybe even a lead pastor. It's going to look like you because it's what he's given you. So, God, we lift it. Let's pray together with our hands just lifted up. Just an act of surrender. God, I lift it up to you. The work of my hands and my heart. God, I just desire to walk with you, to be on mission with you. And God, I pray that you would just use 
this little thing that I'm bringing for great miracles, for great multiplication, for healing, for restoration, for life change, for a move of God. God, for me, it, it feels like I'm always talking about how much, but God, I know you just care about what because you are the great multiplier. So God, take this little thing, this little dream, this little amount, and I just give it to you in the name of Jesus. I just take my staff and I lay it down. Would you do a miracle? I take these loaves and I give them to you. Would you multiply them? I take this anointing and I pour it out into other vessels and I pray that you would multiply it God and that you would take this church God though we are 150 people God I pray that you would multiply your kingdom God not for attendance but for salvation and for kingdom movement and transformation God I pray in the name of Jesus that you would use this act of surrendering to shift our hearts and say my life is not about using what is in my hand to glorify myself but to glorify you and so we give you the glory and you the honor in Jesus name everybody said Amen. hey while you're standing one more thing before you go I'm gonna dismiss you you're done could you hand me that okay everybody pull out your cell phone real quick pull out your cell phone you're like this is a weird church Kanye cell phones what is going on please come back uh, November 8th, I'm going to give you a real practical opportunity because I never want you to leave without going for a next step here. I'm going to give you a real practical opportunity if you want to love this city. Is On November 8th, we're doing a serve opportunity just right here at Tonalea. And this is one of the ways we build a relationship for our future really big toy outreach that we're doing at Tonalea. So we kind of, it's, it's we're building into an account of love so that I can stand at a public school and we can all preach the gospel in English and Spanish. Are you with me? Do you understand? So one of the ways we do that is we love our school. We just gave them 100, 100 plus shoes, so they really love us right now. But if you want a way to just take what's in your hands, maybe you got a free set of Friday afternoon. You're like, you know what, I'm willing to help change the world on a Friday afternoon. We're going to pray for people at this school. They don't know that yet, but we know. Uh, but if you look at this thing, it says, if you can sign up by texting school, the word school, hopefully you can spell it or ask your neighbor. Uh, to the number 602-609-6091. So again, really quick, because I know we have really great intentions, but then we have lunch plans, and we forget our intentions sometimes. So if you want to come serve with us, it's going to be a blast. We have a lot of fun hanging out together, honestly. It gets wild. Uh, but if you want to come serve with us, love our city, I encourage you. Man, that's a super simple step to say what's in my hands. There's two shifts, so you don't got to be there the whole time. You just sign up for one shift. So if you text that number... It'll text you back, and you can walk through it. Does that make sense? Amen. Well, hey, I want to say thank you for being here this morning. Uh, if this is one of your first times here, we'd love to connect with you. If you filled out that card and have a next step, maybe get baptized, uh, follow Christ, or maybe you just want to meet my adorable wife, whatever you want, uh, I want to say head to the back and uh, have a great week. Be blessed, be encouraged, be strengthened, and we'll see you again next week. Amen.